0: Good morning. morning. Happy Father's Day to everybody. And so always like to celebrate. I got to be honest, over the years, I have not been one of those guys that always preach on the particular holiday. So I haven't always preached on Father's Day on Father's Day or Mother's Day on Mother's Day. But I'm going to share kind of a Father's Day message. But uh, if you preach specifically to fathers, you eliminate 80% of the people who are there. But I'm ultimately going to talk about our Heavenly Father, and so all of us can make application. But this is my first year ever as a grandfather. So anyway, I had very little to do with it. But anyway, I just want to tell all you grandparents, everything you've told me is true. It's true. It really is amazing. We're so glad we didn't kill our children, all right? So it's, it's so important, all right? So anyway, my tradition over the years, if you've known me over the years, for as long as I can remember, I've always wore a pair of my dad's shoes. Uh, Just an honor to do that. Uh, I'm down this last, the shoe I have now is not in very good shape. It's kind of falling apart, but it's my dad's shoe. So I'm going to wear it as long as, I may have to duct tape it, but I'm going to get it on. My dad, I wish my dad was about a size and a half bigger. It's about a size and a half too small, and so sometimes on Father's Day, the message is a little shorter, but nobody complains. Nobody has ever complained. But uh, this year, it looks a little bit different. Several years back, I started wearing one of my dads and one of my sons, and I've added to that, all right? So it's just really getting out of hand, but I'm just, I'm that way. I'm a little crazy. So this is my shoes, all right? I've got on one of Jason's socks, my son-in-law, I've got Courtney's shoestring. I said, give me a shoestring. She gave me a pink one, all right? I've got my dad's shoe on the left side. On the right side, I've got Ryan's tennis shoe. I've got Marin, my daughter-in-law. She gave me a shoestring, and then Rhett's shoes. I got one of Rhett's shoes on each feet. So anyway, people, if you look at me a little bit strange, it's okay. By the way, I have a pair just like this in my office, all right? So it's just kind of crazy. So Brenda says you cannot wear those and go out and eat, all right? She will not let me go out and eat with these shoes on, although I would. It wouldn't bother me at all, all right? So people probably think I'm a little bit crazy anyway. So anyway, I just want to say on Father's Day, I do want to say this. It's important that we have godly dads in the home. You know, I think God created the home for a reason one man one woman, even though we're trying to redefine the family in our country, I think God has defined it accurately with one man, one woman in a home. And we need godly, we need godly parents. So I do wanna say the roles are are both very important. Obviously we need moms, There's, there's nothing like a mom's love, but we need the role of a dad in our home. As a matter of fact, to show how important it is to have the role of a father, our government did some statistics, and again, because it's from the government, I don't know how much I trust it, but it says this, 63% of the youth suicides are from fatherless homes, 90% of all runaway children are from fatherless homes, 85% of all children with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes, uh, 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions are from fatherless homes. And 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers are from fatherless homes. So we, we need godly dads. We need the dad in the home. And for those of you who are single parents, my heart goes out to you. And sometimes that's not possible, but I, my heart goes out to any single mom that's trying to raise a family. And man, I just want to tell you, it is just amazing that you are able to do that. So we just, I can't give enough uh, effort there and can't say enough positive about moms and dads. How many of you know that when we're around kids, we learn a lot about God? How many of you know that? Kids have a way. I mean, kids. No matter how much I read and study, my kids will come up with stuff that just, I just sit. It's almost like God's speaking directly through my children. And so I want to give you a couple. Uh, Courtney, many years ago, she came sliding out of the bedroom. She had a pair of my shoes on, and she came sliding out of the bedroom. And she said, look, I'm Daddy. And she was having kind of some fun. But when she said that, God said, think about that your daughter is going to mimic things in your life. How many of you know, how many of you have ever said, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like my parents. I am not going to be like my parents. And then we end up being like our parents. Now, not, maybe not in every way, but it is amazing how a parent's influence. And I just want to remind you guys, and by the way, I couldn't go back and get Courtney that little anymore. I didn't take a picture, but I went over to Courtney's house this is actually my grandson in a pair of his dad's shoes, Jason. And it's a reminder to me that, again, our children are watching what we say, what, we, what they hear, what we do, and our children are picking up on, on stuff. And so a lot of lessons. I could spend probably all day talking about life lessons from kids. Ryan some years back, he was a little bitty guy, and, and our church was about 250 at the time. I was the only ministerial staff, and so I was up here seven days a week. I didn't even realize it, but I was just here all the time. It never got done, so I was just up here. We only lived a mile away. And so one night at supper, I said to the family, I said, "I'm going to run up to church for a minute. I'll be right back." And Ryan said, "See you tomorrow, Dad." I said, "No, I'm just going to go up. I'll be up." He said, I'll, "We'll see you tomorrow." And so I realized that I was sacrificing my family for ministry. I want to tell you, I've never heard God more clearly than I heard through my son. And I realized that there is no ministry on earth more important than our family. And so that week I got up, it was a long time ago, back in the late 90s, but I got up and I apologized to the church. I apologized to my family for putting my family on the back burner. By the way, the church never asked me to do that. This church has been incredibly supportive of the home. But I just found myself burning at both ends. And I realized that if it it can't get done, but here's to my amazement, when I backed off and put my family first, things went better than they have ever gone. I want to tell you, don't ever sacrifice your family. I've never, ever, in my 65 years, ever heard someone on their deathbed say, I wish I would have spent more time at work. I've never heard anybody say that. Almost without exception, if there's any regrets, they would say to me, I wish if I could go back, I would have focused more on my family. I just want to encourage you to make family a priority in your life. It really is important. So this week, I had my annual or biannual whatever it is checkup to the doctor and i went to the doctor's office and the lady uh, that was taking care of me she had a tattoo on her arm and i could see it had dad on there and so i was kind of curious i was thinking about father's day and so i said would you mind if i see your your tattoo and so she showed me her tattoo and it was a tattoo about her dad and so i asked and i asked a weird question i said this is going to be really really strange Can I take a picture of your tattoo? So there I am in the doctor's office, and I'm taking a picture of her tattoo, and this is what it looked like. She had the date of her dad's birth, the date of his death, and then in the middle, she said, my dad, his daughter. She said, my dad always referred to me as his daughter. And you'll notice it's in a, a sideways figure eight, which is a symbol for eternity. That tells me that this gal's dad made a big imprint in her life. And I just want to remind you again, kids pick up from parents. How many of you know kids will say things and they'll repeat things that you say? And isn't it the darndest thing that they repeat the one word you don't want them to repeat? The one thing you didn't want them to to do that you did, they do. So you got to really be careful. One thing I can tell you for sure, one thing I can tell you my kids will say at my funeral, if they ever say anything, one thing they'll say for sure is my dad made a lot of mistakes. I know they'll say that. You know, it's not about being a perfect parent, but it's about helping our kids know that even in our imperfection, that God loves us. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to my kids. I don't know what that sound is. It sounds like wind. Do you guys hear that, or is it just me? So can you move that, turn that, can somebody go up there and turn that fan off? It sounds like the rushing mighty wind of Acts 2, (laughs) which would be okay. Which would be okay. So I appreciate that. I mean, it just sounded like that woo going on behind. So anyway, I apologize. This is just live. This is what we do live. All right. But anyway, so I, I I just appreciate you know our family, our children. I know my children will say I didn't do everything right, but I hope they can say. Again, I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to my kids and get down and say I am so sorry. I said, Dad was, I was just upset. I was I was. Had a lot on my mind. I should have never said what I said or never have have showed any anger. I've had to apologize to my kids a lot. Because to me, that's more important than being a perfect dad. They need to know that they're not going to be perfect, but they can survive in life. And so again, like like father, like children. Again, we become somewhat like our parents. Not always. We can't blame our parents for everything. But it is amazing, even though we say, I'm never going to be like my parent, sometimes we become like our parent and that's okay there are a lot of great qualities about our parents and they do learn at a pretty young age by the way how to begin to mimic mom and dad that's why courtney coming out in those shoes she was very small but yet she was mimicking being like her dad and so i don't show very often a picture of my dad i don't think very many years if ever i've i've showed a picture of my dad But I'm thankful for my dad. Uh, My mom died, as you know, when I was 13 years old. So my dad helped raise us and he took over raising us. And my dad was not a cook, but he would just be creative. We ate things that you will never, ever find in the store. And so about every third or fourth day, we had goulash, which was the leftovers of the three previous days in a pot. And I know this sounds crazy, but I, I actually liked it. I'm one of the few kids on the planet that actually like cafeteria food. I, I like cafeteria food. Nobody else could eat it. But my dad was not one to say, I love you. I don't ever remember growing up my dad saying that I love you. I didn't know till later that my dad was out on his own when he was 15 years old And he he went to live with his grandparents, but he had to work from 15 forward to pay for his clothes and to pay for everything. So he, he really had kind of a rough life. But he never told me that. I found out later. But even though my dad was not one who could say that I love you, he would get down on the floor and wrestle with us. He'd be out in the backyard playing catch. My dad was at every one of my high school basketball games, and no matter how crazy it was in there, I could always hear my dad's voice. I always recognized his voice, and and oftentimes he was yelling at the refs. I used to tell my dad, the refs ought to go up and sit by you, apparently you can see better up there. But anyway, I love my dad. I had no doubts my dad loved me. My dad was amazingly gracious. I don't ever remember being spanked. And that could be the problem. That could be part of my problem. But my dad was so gracious. My dad always said that if you come to me, I don't care what you've done, if you come to me, it's gonna be okay. And I remember one time when, when I was young, younger grade school, I don't remember exactly how old, but me and a friend, his, his parents smoked cigarettes. And so we wanted to mimic smoking cigarettes, and so we got in. How many of you know kids know where you hide the cigarettes? They know, and so we got in there, parents were gone, we got in there, got the cigarettes, got, I think we got a whole carton, and me and my friend smoked three packs. (laughs) We sat outside under a tree in his backyard, and we went through three packs. We may have snorted some, we may have chewed some, but we got three packs down, and then I, I felt guilty. I felt, and so I remember going to my dad. My dad was sitting in his bedroom. I went to him, and I, and I was just crying. I said, Dad, I, I am so sorry. I went, went, we went and smoked all these cigarettes, and, and man, I was just crying, and my dad just looked at me with the eyes of grace, and he just said, it's okay. It's okay, and he gave me a hug. Unfortunately, I probably got a lot of that from my dad, and I, I, I have not been one. I don't know if I've ever spanked my children. Thank God, Brenda could. <laughs> I remember when we were first here back in the mid, mid-90s, my daughter, Courtney, she was four or five at the time. She's the only child I've ever known that got kicked out of EBS. <laughs> only child. And so we were, we were only been here a year or so. She was four or five years old, and I was down there, and there was a lady who was visiting, and, and she must have been a drill sergeant in a former life. She was tough, and she was really hard on those kids. At least that's why I was told by other people. And so for some reason, she had it, one of the kids she had it out for was Courtney. And I'm not saying she didn't deserve something, but she said, that's it. You're out of VBS, and she marched. I'm going to get you, I'm going to take you to your father. Now, that didn't scare Courtney, no. <laughs> if she would have said, I'm taking you to your mom, yeah, that might have put some fear in her. And so this lady marches Courtney down to me. I'm standing right outside here, and she marches young Courtney down there, and she says, your daughter has been, and she, she's been kicked out of her VBS. I've never had that happen. I've never had to deal with that. I've never had a kid kicked out of EBS. <laughs> Wouldn't you know, it's the preacher's kid. Anyway. and so I'm sitting there and, and, and she's angry. I look down at Courtney and she's got my pant leg and she just looks up. <laughs> and I tried not to smile. And I said to the lady, I appreciate it. I said, I will take care of it. And she turned and walked off and when she did, I remember getting down on my knees and just giving Cory a hug. I said, it's okay. I've got kicked out of stuff myself. But you're not getting kicked out of the family. If you ever get in trouble, I'm the person you want to go see. I remember uh, Crosspoint, they had a little, it was, I think it was a kindergartner child. He broke something in church. I don't even remember what it was. The teacher said, you're going to write an apology note, and you're going to take it in and give it to the pastor. I mean, she she threatened to bring this child to me. Hey, that's where you want to go. That's where you want to go. And so this little child comes in. There's a handwritten note. I mean, the little guy had written... I'm sure she told him what to write. I'm sorry. And whatever it was, and his, his hand is trembling. He's got a tear in his eye. She brings him to my and always says, Now you tell Pastor Johnson what you did and tell him you're sorry. So he's just trying not to get beat up by the teacher. And so the little guy goes, I am sorry. And I mean, man, I almost just sat there and cried. I got up out of my chair, went down to the The the, the door there, I just got on my knees and I just hugged that little guy. I said, Buddy, it's okay. It really is okay. It's no big deal. God loves you. God's love for you doesn't matter whether you broke this or not, it's replaceable. And so I just loved on the little guy. I tell you, we have a Heavenly Father that's so gracious. And so I'm forever grateful that my dad, and again, I deserve to be spanked. I deserved a lot of time outs. But I don't ever remember my dad being angry at me even though he could have been, should have been. My dad always showed grace. I'm so thankful for that. And so my dad, when he was younger, uh, served in uh, the Korean War. And so I think I got a picture of that. It's coming up, it's coming now. Maybe it's not coming now, there it is. So I appreciate my dad's service to our country. He never did get a chance to go to Washington, D.C. I wish he would have been able to go to see the monument there. And then he passed away back in 2014. And so every year at Father's Day, the reason why I always want to wear a pair of my dad's shoes, is just a very small way to tell my dad how much I appreciate what he invested in me. So I love my dad. I'm so thankful for my dad. Yeah, I think about Jesus when he was 12 years old, and I don't know if this is working or not, so so I may depend on my wife heavily today. And so the first recorded words of Jesus in his earth suit Now, I think he talked before this, but when he was 12 years old, the Bible says they left him in Jerusalem, they went up there every year for Passover, but for some reason, the Bible records this particular year. Now, I think there's a reason for it, by the way, this is my opinion, it's my opinion, the Bible doesn't say it, but Jewish boys and girls, when they turned 12 or 13, would move from childhood to adulthood. And for boys, it's called a bar mitzvah. For girls, it's a bat mitzvah. And it really is an amazing celebration. Now, it doesn't mean that they move off and start a family, but it means when they're 12, 13 years old, they begin to take on adult responsibilities in home and in church. Boys, when they have their bar mitzvah for the first time in public, get to read the Torah. It really is a big deal. I mean, if you're ever over in Israel, when they're having a bar mitzvah, they go crazy. They celebrate. I mean, they're dancing. They're playing music. They're throwing candy. It's a lot of fun. Well, I think, this is my opinion, I think when they went to Jerusalem for Passover when he was 12, I think one of the things they did there, I I think he had his bar mitzvah. That's just my opinion, because... When children travel, they always went with their mom. But once he had the bar mitzvah and moved to adulthood, then he would travel with his dad. You say, how could they leave him back in Jerusalem? Well, I think he traveled there with his mom, but after his bar mitzvah, he was supposed to travel with his dad. But how many of you know that sometimes dads forget? And I think when they traveled away, he say, how could they leave him? Well, I think Mary thought he was with Joseph because now he's had his bar mitzvah. He's an adult. Joseph's thinking, well, he's going to still travel with his mom. And somehow they forgot him. And when they go back, it's amazing. They go back, they find him in the temple, and he says Why? this first recorded words of Jesus in an earth suit. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? As a 12-year-old, he was already locked in on mimicking his father. You know, this week I'm going to get to go to Super Summer in in Bolivar. Uh, uh, Bob is the head of it, so pray for me. I'm going to be under Bob all week. We're going to have a good time. But they have teachers for every age group. And there's one age that nobody wanted. Nobody wanted the 6th and 7th graders. Nobody wanted them. So guess who Bob gave them to? Me. And can I tell you, I'm excited. Because I want to love on these kids, and I want to tell them that in God's eyes, you're pretty special, and that you can do adult things. And so, man, I'm I'm just looking forward to talking to these kids. By the way, and I've mentioned before, our culture has picked up on the Jewish culture. How many of you know that? So again, the Jewish culture, when you turn 12 or 13 you become an adult in the eyes of God at least taking responsibilities and our culture even though we've created adolescence so we can you know goof off for six years there are some things in our culture that we recognize Jewish culture let me give you a couple examples have you ever been to a restaurant where they had a child's menu almost every restaurant has a child's menu and every child's menu says from 12 and under you get this price but if you're 13 and over, you've got to pay an adult price. Even they understand that a 13-year-old can eat as much as an adult. If you've ever taken medicine, if you look on the back of almost any medicine bottle, any kind of medicine, it'll always say a child's dosage. If you're 12 or under, you take a child's dosage. But if you're 13 years old, you get to take a big boy medicine. You get to take adult dosage. Even in our culture, we understand that when when someone turns 13, they literally can take an adult dosage of medicine. So at the age of 12, Jesus was already locked in on being like his heavenly father and mimicking his father. I'm going to try this so far. The very last recorded words of Jesus, according to Luke's gospel, before he died was in Uh, it's it's not in chapter 2 by the way I think it's 23 or 24 but Jesus cried with a loud voice father into your hands I commit my spirit so his very last breath was a prayer to his heavenly father I mean his ministry when you think about it his ministry was just mimicking his father it was an incredible love relationship between he and his heavenly father I didn't count these out, but they say there's about 175 times that Jesus referred to God as Father. I started thinking about this week, and I don't have the answer. I I, I was thinking to myself, was there ever a time that he referred to God something other than Father? I know on the cross he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Almost every reference that Jesus has to God is Father. And that was so radical for the Jews who couldn't even speak God's name because they were afraid they would mispronounce it. And here Jesus comes along and he gives us the concept that God is Father. That God is a compassionate Father. You know, my kids have never called me pastor. Ever. I don't think. They never called me Reverend. My kids have always called me Dad. And can I think what's sad? I see so much in the Christian life. People are afraid of God. They've been taught that God is angry. God is mad. And I know we even quote the verse, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You better fear God. But you know, the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. Can I tell you, as a child of God, you do not have to fear God. He's your heavenly Father. And more than anything, he wants to show grace. He wants to show compassion. That's the God that I know. And so, 175 times. And then he actually, not only did he refer to God as Father, but when the disciples said, teach us to pray, he said, I want you to address God as our Father. We get to call God Father. And so on this Father's Day, and I think we need to remember our earthly dads, But we all have a heavenly Father that absolutely loves us. He absolutely has compassion. If there's one person you can go to and always experience grace, it's your heavenly Father. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I I, I kind of picture this when he was about 33 years old, he was praying and and he referred to God as Abba, Father. And again, we've talked about Abba, but it's really that simplicity of a child saying, Daddy. It's my children saying, Dada. How many of you remember when your kids said, Dada, Mama? It doesn't get any better than that. It's it's the sincerity of a child. Here Jesus, as a grown man, addresses the Father as Abba, Father. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans and Galatians that one of the initial responses of the Holy Spirit coming into our life is that we cry out, Abba, Father! Lesson one in the Christian life is recognizing God as our Abba, Father, our spiritual Dada. I think it's a shame more people don't pray Abba, Father. Most people have a fear of God That again, I think there is some fear of God, but more than anything, he's our heavenly father. That's what Jesus revealed. That he's a God of abundant grace, abundant mercy. He's a God we don't have to be afraid to go to. It's amazing that Jesus said, you say, how did Jesus, how was he able to do so much? He really just watched what his father was doing, and he just obeyed what his father was doing. He says in John 5, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but whatever he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son does in like manner. So he he literally just says, I just watch the father, and I just mimic the father that's that's a pretty easy pattern just I just watch what the father does and I just do what he does and then he went on to say as far as my words I have not spoken on my own authority but the father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak I mean Jesus ministry was just doing what the father was doing and saying what the father was saying and by the way when you're walking in the spirit You're going to be doing what the Father wants you to do, and you're going to say what the Father wants you to say. It's it's just really learning to mimic our Heavenly Father. And this week, I thought about the story of the prodigal son, and I've heard this a hundred times. I've preached it a lot about the, the Father, the Son, and we've always been taught the Father represents God, the Son represents us. How many of you have ever heard this as the prodigal son story? Some Bibles even have that written on the top, prodigal son. Well, someone this week, I heard the phrase, the story is called, in his opinion, the prodigal father. And I said, what? That is so wrong. That is heresy. How could God be a prodigal? And then I studied the word. And I want to stand before you today and say I was wrong. I think the reason the son was so lavishly giving is because he had a father that was so lavishly giving. Now he wasted it, but didn't the father waste it by giving it to the son? What parent would give their child their inheritance when they knew that he was going to go out and waste it? That parent lavishly gave to the son, and he knew that his son was going to waste it. I have never in my life, I'm 65 years old, I've never seen the prodigal son mimicking his father. I think the reason he was so free with his money is because his father was so free with his money. And so the story goes, as you know, the son came and said, I want my inheritance. Can you imagine how cold that is saying to your dad, I don't want to wait till you die, I want my inheritance. That's pretty cold. Now, how many of you would give that kid a time out for life? Can you imagine? I I can't wait for you to die. I want my inheritance. But the father gives it to him. The father gives him his inheritance. The father was a lavish giver. He gave above and beyond. Even though he knew his son was going to recklessly give it away, he still gave it to his son. Can I tell you the reckless love of God, that he loved us even before we showed anything back. He loved us. He gave everything he had to us before we did anything to deserve it. The verse we love to quote, for God so loved the world, he gave. Can I tell you, God the Father is a lavish giver. When we understand the heart of God, we're not going to fear going into God's presence. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, let us go with boldness. My kids never, ever feared coming to me, ever, that I know of. And so, according to the King James, it says that the prodigal son wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That's the new King James. Other translations, instead of the word prodigal, they use wasteful, riotous, reckless, wild. He literally just gave everything away. He was a free spender to the point that he had nothing. But again, I never saw till this week that he was a lot like his dad, who was a free giver, a generous heart, who gave even though he knew his son was going to waste it. The word prodigal there, just if you look it up and study it, it means wastefully or recklessly extravagant, very generous, giving big-heartedly, and the dictionary even said this in a positive way, a prodigal of smiles or a prodigal with praise. The word can literally mean to give extravagant, whatever it is, it's to give big-heartedly. Isn't that our God? Our God gives extraordinarily lavishly above and beyond what we deserve. I've forever changed my thoughts about the prodigal son. The reason the prodigal son was such a giver, his dad was a big giver. And so, you know that the son came back, and when the son came back, he had just wasted his inheritance. The father had given him his inheritance, he wasted it, and then he has the nerve to come back to his father. But instead of his father rebuking him or putting him into an eternal timeout, the Bible says his father saw him, he ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. Can I tell you, the heavenly father wants to embrace you. The heavenly father wants to lavish on you. Not because you deserve it, but because that's his heart. I love when Jesus said, it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's not based on whether or not you deserve it. It's based on his goodness. And so when he came back, instead of putting him in, how many of you would have been a little bit ticked off? Is anybody here any timeouts, any beatings, any? Maybe he said, I'm going to send you to the preacher. But he comes back and the father says, kill the fatted calf. Give him my best robe. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. And they began to party and marry If there's anyone who did not deserve it, it was that Son. He did not deserve being lavished with grace. But that's God. There's not a person here that deserves the goodness of God. If we could understand the heart of our Heavenly Father is a heart that recklessly, lavishly, big-heartedly gives us above and beyond what we deserve. My life has been forever changed, really just a couple years ago, seeing the love of God. I've always known that God is love, but knowing in my heart more than anything else, he's our heavenly father that you can go to whether you've had a good day or a bad day. He's a heavenly father that will lavish his love not based on your performance or whether you deserve it, but it's based on his goodness. And so when the elder son came back, he was kind of ticked off at his dad for prodigally giving to his son, his younger son. He was upset. He couldn't understand why his dad would keep giving and giving and big-heartedly giving to his younger son. And when he came back, he heard music and dancing. I love this verse. Can I tell you, God the Father gets excited when one person comes back. And you talk about somebody that did not deserve the grace of God. It was that younger son, but even he got lavished by the grace of God. They threw a party, and the elder son came back, and he heard music and dancing. I love this verse. I'm 65 years old. I've never heard a Baptist preacher talk about dancing, ever. They either stop before that verse, or they hurdle it. But they came back, he heard music and dancing. I don't think they were doing the funky chicken or anything like that. But I think they were so excited about the younger son coming back. They were leaping and walking and praising God. He didn't deserve it. He did not deserve the grace of God. But that's the heart of God. Can I tell you, when we get to heaven and see what God has prepared for us, We're going to be so blown away because there's not a person there that's going to say, I deserve this. But it's because we got a big hearted God that loves us. That's why the Bible says, I love how when Jesus taught about being persistent to our heavenly father. Once you understand he's your heavenly father, that's why the Bible says, be persistent going to God. How many of you know children can be persistent? Have you ever heard a child say, I want that? Parents say, like, no, you can't have that. I want that. No, you cannot have that. Before they go out of the store, they're buying it. How many of you are that parent that's soft? God bless us three, all right? Some of you are t- I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you should. But there's something about a child, they persist. And Jesus is teaching us in prayer. Be persistent. Ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Do not quit because your heavenly father loves you. I want to encourage you to see God as a heavenly father that you don't have to fear. But he wants you to come into his presence. He wants to lavish on you. And then he tells us, Jesus says, that we need to mimic our heavenly father. Just as Jesus mimicked his heavenly father, he says, you've heard the law say, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting like true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. You know why God sends sunlight on the good and the bad and rain on the just and the unjust? Because he's abundantly giving. They don't deserve it but God the heart of God is to give out of abundance of grace he says if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit God wants to give you it's the heart of God to give to his children let's pray Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. I thank you for each of the dads that are here today, and we just pray that that God, you would give us the grace and the wisdom to take one day at a time and to live each day for you. And Lord, I pray that we would never fear coming into your presence as our Heavenly Father. Whether we've had a good day or a bad day, may we just come before you and persist knowing that you have a generous heart. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for leaving the 90 and coming after us. Thank you for the story of the prodigal father and the prodigal son who were extraordinary givers. Thank you for your heart. In Jesus' name. On your way out today before our final song, we have something for all the dads. Appreciate fathers. I always let Robin pick out everything for the moms and the dads. How many of you know that's a wise move? Let the ladies pick. And so anyway, she's got some key chains. And so there's a key uh, chain with some scripture on it. And so we want all the dads to have one of those. Love you guys. Man, let's just live every day. Appreciate you dads. Hang in there and let's be faithful to our family. Hope you guys have an amazing week. Love you guys. Let's sing out our way out.